Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well. It's Tuesday the 17th of January. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, we hear how shoppers have been left outraged by a supermarket's bag search policy. Plans for a new reservoir in the county are finally on show. And for the first time, we speak to Gillingham Football Club's new owner. But before we get to all of that, this winter's wave of industrial action is about to escalate even further. It's been announced that teachers in Kent will go on strike for four days over the next couple of months. They'll stage walkouts on the 1st of February, 2nd of March and 15th and 16th of March. Nurses have also announced two more days of industrial action next month. That's on top of action here in Kent tomorrow and on Thursday. Liz used to work as a nurse in Ashford and Canterbury. They've got to tackle the retention issue. Even if they decide to give us a 5% pay rise this year, 5% pay rise next year, 5% after that, they've still got to look at the terms and conditions of getting people into those posts. And it's the same for teachers, same for policemen. We've got all these empty vacancies. We've got more job vacancies than jobless people. So why aren't we getting people into jobs? The simple answer is people don't want to do them. We are at the top of the league for the most trusted people. When you look at other professions, it's nurses, because they place their trust in us, because we are the ones that are there. And there's no getting away from that, but... Nothing can compare to what we actually have to do. It terrifies me that those coming through now haven't got the support they need. There's just not enough mentors to talk to, to debrief, to talk through problems. There's nobody that's got the time to go, listen, sit down, take a deep breath, tell me what you need to get off your chest. The students I've taught, now most of them, are just in your everyday run-of-the-mill jobs. They're not worried about promotion. Then, then they're not worried about career. They're just happy going home, being often a second wage earner. Because as a primary wage earner, trust me, it don't stretch that far. Because it's no reflection of what we actually do, what we get paid. But I can't say I was paid a bad wage, just not what we were worth, and that's the difference. I was always a thing in the back of your head you're thinking the agency doctor's getting five thousand pounds for a day's work i'd only know that in three months and that's the inequality when the government say we can't afford to pay people the agency bill is astronomical Meantime, government plans to restrict the right to strike are a step closer to becoming law after MPs voted for them to progress in the Commons. It would force hospitals and transport companies to maintain a minimum level of service. Kent Online News. Our other top stories today. A woman's been hit with a shotgun pellet during a funeral service on Sheppey. It happened as a pigeon shoot took place next to the natural burial ground at Harty following a service at Minster Abbey. She wasn't badly injured but has criticised organisers of the shoot for continuing continuing while the burial took place. A man's punched a landlord in the face in front of other customers at a Kent pub in a row over his daughter's wages. Miles Priestley went into the Red Dog pub in High House, though, armed with a hammer on Christmas Eve 2021 and demanded £20. The 46-year-old from Vision Avenue in Who is due to be sentenced next month. And a driver is said to be in a serious but not life-threatening condition in hospital following a crash that closed parts of the M20 for more than four hours. Two lorries were involved in the 
collision on the London-bound carriageway near Ashford yesterday afternoon. He's being treated in a London hospital. Now, this has been the top story on our website today. Shoppers at Audi in Sheerness have been left in tears after being wrongly accused of stealing by staff. The supermarket's been carrying out bag searches following a rise in shoplifting, but has admitted not always doing so correctly. Well, to talk more about this, I'm joined by reporter Megan Carr, who worked on this story. So, Megan, just firstly, tell us why the store's been taking these measures. Well, we did ask Audi to give us a bit of an explanation about what was going on and, and why they needed to do this. But um, all, all they said to us was that due to a recent increase in shoplifting, that, that they needed to carry out these bag searches. We did ask how much, um, what was being taken when this started, but they didn't give us any more answers. But this hasn't quite gone to plan, has it? And you've been speaking to some pretty upset shoppers. Um, what did they tell you? Um, I've, I've been in touch with many people, really. These these kind of claims about being treated incorrectly have been coming in since November last year. Um, I've, I've had one lady who went in with her bags for life and, uh, you know, she was accused of stealing. They wanted to look in her bag and, you know, she had nothing to hide. She asked why and they said it's just protocol. Um, another lady, she, she'd actually been shopping at Iceland elsewhere and um, she, she, she'd popped into Aldi afterwards, had her Iceland shopping on her trolley and... Uh, the staff member demanded to see inside her bag and when the woman explained that you know this shopping was from Iceland here's my receipt the woman didn't believe her and emptied all the contents of her bag out in front of all the other customers um it was only at the point when another member of staff turned around and said we don't even sell that product here I think it was crackers that she'd been buying um that the woman stopped accusing her but then she was still refused service as well um you know lots of people have been accused one woman who doesn't even have children was accused of stealing nappies um she didn't have children in nappies at the time so all of the accusations just didn't make sense certainly not the shopping experience you'd expect when you walk into a supermarket so what has uh, Audi said about all of this well, first of all, they, they did apologise and they have said that, you know, some of these searches have been carried out incorrectly. Um, also in their statement, they did explain that, um, you know, they could only carry out these searches with the customer's consent, but that doesn't seem like that's been happening. Yeah, as you say, we, we should just point out that a store's security guard or staff can only search a person and their bag if a person gives their consent. If they don't, then they can't search someone, but they can detain them until a police officer arrives to conduct a legal and forced search if a person still refuses but it seems as though which the store has accepted there are cases where staff have have gone too far yeah it does i mean again we we did ask them to kind of elaborate a little bit more on the law so they could give us their version of it but again in the very short statement that they gave um they just explained that you know with customers consent they can search but you know other people i've spoken to have, have, have said about stories being chased out the store and staff members demanding to see in their bag and such even when they've got receipts to show that they have bought the stuff or it's been bought elsewhere so it's just very odd thanks for those details megan well looking at the comments section at kent online there's a bit of a debate over Audi's approach to tackling shoplifting. One person suggested Audi should have a room set aside for bag checks so they can be conducted away from other customers. They say if it happened to them, they'd refuse and insist a police officer was present to search through their bags. Similarly, another comment says the store has got it wrong and reads staff need to be trained to conduct a stop and search policy and suspicion of concealment is not a reason for a search. However, there are a few who have sided with Audi. 
One comment reads, stores are really up against it and theft is so common. Is it really too much to ask to show your bags when requested? And another says, you want to search my bag? No problem. Within two minutes, we can both get on with our days with no aggression, intimidation or fuss. Well, if you want to share your thoughts, just leave a comment at the bottom of the story on our website. Kent Online reports. There have been several crashes in Kent after freezing temperatures led to icy roads. A level three cold weather alert has been issued by the Met Office and conditions are expected to continue until Friday. Flood alerts have also been issued after all the heavy rain we've had recently. Now plans for a new reservoir in Kent that's designed to secure water supplies have gone on show. Mosses want to build the facility in Broad Oak near Canterbury. They say it would hold up to 5 billion litres of water and could be operational by as early as 2033. That's in just 10 years' time. Lee Dance is from South East Water. So the reservoir is just to the north of Broad Oak Village itself. Um, there's a valley in there. Uh, we would put a, a dam structure across that valley and uh, there'd be two, there's sort of two valley arms that go up that would uh, be filled with water. Um, you probably wouldn't see a lot of it from different angles and different uh, perspectives, but certainly from the Calcott Road, as you looked across, you would be able to see the the uh, the dam wall itself. Um, we have a lot of land around where the reservoir would be, so where the water would be. So um, that's where we're really excited about the sort of things we could do to connect up the existing habitat and want to hear from people about how they would like that to look and feel. And importantly, how much water would this reservoir be able to hold and how vital is it? Because we're seeing more and more houses being built in Kent and across the southeast. It's putting a huge demand on supplies at the moment, isn't it? The reservoir itself would be uh, about 5,200 million litres in capacity. That is quite hard for people to get their heads around, but Buell Reservoir is 30,000. So it's a, it's smaller than than Buell. Um, we have a reservoir in Sussex, at Ardingline Reservoir. It would be similar to that in its size and its look. We face a lot of challenges uh, in the southeast, uh, not just from population growth, but climate change, the need for our sources to be more resilient to drought. Um, and we're also trying to reset how much water we take from the environment and where we take it from. All those things are driving to a need for this reservoir by 2033. And it forms a really important part of our plan. So we're really, really keen for people to come and speak to us, understand what the scheme's about, uh, to give their views about what, what they would like to see as well. And, and then we can sort of work from there and see what's possible. I guess with global warming, I mean, we couldn't have seen it any more clearer than last summer, could we, when temperatures reached record highs in the UK. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the habitats as well around what would be the reservoir and how important that would be to part of the programme that you want to do? So we have a lot of land holdings that we already um, we already own around the Broad Oak Reservoir site. Um, we're certainly very keen to understand how the reservoir and the surrounding land could really help enhance the existing environment. So we've got lots of pockets of really valuable habitat. So one of the exciting opportunities would be to try and link that up. Um, and that would give uh, wildlife more more sort of connectivity and more resilience to the, the changing climate. And the reservoir isn't the only thing that you're planning to do, as you mentioned, to try and shore up supplies of water. Did you want to tell us a little bit about what else you're doing? I know trying to reduce leaks in the first place is a really big thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, to, there's some really, really big parts to our plan. 
One is to reduce leakage from its existing levels by 50% by 2050. It sounds a long way into the future, but that is, uh, that's no mean feat. It will take a lot of effort and it will take a long time to deliver, but we're fully committed to that. We recognize the priority leakages to our customers. We're also looking at ways that we can help customers reduce the amount of water they use and how we can work with uh, the markets to produce uh, goods and fittings that use water. Uh, and we want to make sure that we can move the water around our network and we have the capacity in the network. So having a new reservoir at Broad Oak will give us another uh, source of water that can feed into that network and ensure that we've got a resilient supply. A consultation on the idea runs until February 20th and you can see the plans at Broad Oak Village Hall. Meanwhile, there are calls for people in West Kent who were left without water before Christmas to get compensation. Thousands of households in and around Dunbridge Wells were without supplies in the week before the big day. Water was finally restored on December 23rd but the area's MP says many plans were ruined. Greg Clark has raised the issue during a debate at Westminster where he's also called for improvements to water infrastructure. The purpose of a water supply company uh, is simply to supply running water to its customers. Water to drink, water to cook with, water to wash and bathe in, water to clean clothes and dishes, uh, water to operate central heating boilers, water to flush the toilet. It is the most basic essential service in Britain in the 21st century and we quite rightly take it for granted. Yet for eight days, including the week before Christmas, many thousands of people in my constituency in Tunbridge Wells and the surrounding villages had no water. This followed an earlier period uh, in November in which other parts of my constituency were cut off from running water. South East Water, the company granted the privilege of operating a local monopoly failed in its only purpose. By South East Water's own admission, on the 19th of December, to take one particular day, 3,500 households, therefore about 10,000 people, were without water. And as the days went on, many people endured conditions of stress and, frankly, squalor. What on earth could be the reason for such a catastrophic uh, set of events uh, leading to these cuts uh, to our water supply. And the answer is a catalogue of failures over the preceding weeks that exposed a network lacking in the resilience needed to do the job of supplying water reliably uh, to our residents. Another post office in Kent is set to close. The one in Sturry is currently in the Payden's Chemist, but is due to shut in November after the chain pulled out of running the service. It follows news the same thing is due to happen in Rochester High Street. A Folkestone man's been hailed a hero after managing to rescue a disabled neighbour from a house fire. The blaze broke out of the property on Wellington Place in Sandgate last Friday morning. One person was treated by paramedics after breathing in smoke. It's not known yet how the fire started, but it's thought to be accidental. Next up, the Prime Minister's announced new plans to clamp down on disruptive protests around Kent and the rest of the country. The amendments to the Public Order Bill would mean police would not have to wait for disruption to shut down a protest and will be able to consider the total impact of a series of protests by the same group. It comes after several environmental campaign groups blocked traffic on key highways in and around the county last year. Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner Matthew Scott has been speaking to our sister station, KMT. Absolutely think it's the right move. It's exactly what policing has asked for. Uh, they have been very robust here in Kent in dealing with the problems on the M25. But elsewhere in the country, there's been some concern that the definition of serious disruption 
uh, was not adequate enough uh, and that police forces were getting stuck in complex legal arguments around what it meant. This means that we will have that clarity uh, and the police will be able to act to combat serious disruption caused by some of these uh, protest groups. Uh, a number of powers have been given to the police by the government. Whenever the government have been asked to give them those powers, they've said yes. Uh, but what they want is clarity over what serious disruption means, because the tactics of some of the protesters continues to evolve. Uh, no sooner were Kent police so robust on the M25 that they changed their practice uh, to disrupt pro uh, traffic in London by walking slowly in the road. And some argued that the police didn't have the power to uh, prevent or stop those. This removes that possibility, so there can be no more excuses from any agency uh, for not clearing these disruptions up effectively and quickly. Richard Wells is a councillor in Dartford. I'm personally very supportive of this. I think um, no one would really deny that um, the right to protest is a good one. It's a long-standing one, it's a very important one. But what's also very important is the right for everyone else to go about their daily business. As you've heard from the people in Dartford, the right for people to go to and from work, the right for people to... Um, spend time with family, to go to appointments and so forth. And what we have here is really um, a clash of the two rights. And what the government is trying to do here is to find a balance between those two rights and a balance which actually allows people to have um, to um, protest peacefully, put their point across peacefully in protest, but also the right for everyone else to then have their own rights in getting around the place and actually having and be able to go about a daily business. So um, it, the equivalence is not the same. It's, it, it's making sure that everyone is, is still keeps the rights they have. You'll probably remember and may have been caught up in the protest by Just Stop Oil at the Darfur Crossing in October when two demonstrators climbed its cables. Anna is part of the campaign group. I'd just like to begin by addressing what the councillor said about what people find important and what we consider our rights to be. Um, as I'm sure it, people are aware now that the right to protest is a democratic right. It's one of our human rights. Uh, what is not democratic is the fact that our Prime Minister, who is deciding this, was voted in by just 202 Tory party members. Uh, so I think it's really important that we maintain a perspective on what our rights are and who it is this is exactly deciding whether we are allowed these rights or not. And my biggest concern right now is whether I will have my right to food and water in the coming year after devastating heat waves and floods in the past year have ruined a half of our potato crop and a third of our wheat crop. So those are where my priorities lie in whether I can actually get food and water uh, in this coming year. A £19 million contract to collect waste and recycling in Ashford, Maidstone and Swale has been signed. A company called Suez has been given an eight-year contract starting in March 2024. They say fortnightly collections will continue. They're also hoping to increase recycling rates. And a herd of bison arriving in Kent last year has led to Canterbury being named as one of Britain's top ten places driving positive change. The animals are living in Woodland in Blaine as part of a project to boost biodiversity and tackle climate change. A calf was born last November and it's hoped more could follow. Kent Online Sports. Football and the new owner of Gillingham has been revealing his plans for the club after watching them win for the first time under his stewardship. Their 2-0 win over Hartlepool at Priestfield at the weekend has given fans hope of League 2 survival, which unsurprisingly is Brad Gallinson's immediate aim. It's sort of our laser focus, which is we have to stay in the English Football League. So, I mean, number one is there's basically a mountain 
that's 2,000 meters and we're flying 1,800 meters. So we got to get to 2,100 meters. That's literally the focus now. Um, almost everything else can wait, you know, because once you get that right, then all the other sort of 50 or 100 things that are on the list that we've all talked about and planned, you can start to sort of more easily, easily do. So that's, it's sort of overwhelming to even speak of anything but that. He's been in Kent for a few weeks now after taking over from former chairman Paul Scully just before Christmas and is enjoying his time so far. Kent is a beautiful area and the, the two weeks has been overwhelming, busy, passionate, exciting, um, more than I had hoped for, absolutely. The Florida-based businessman has also been telling us his hopes of building a stronger relationship with the local community. The football club is the community and the community is a football club. They're, they're literally interchangeable. So just on a macro sense, um, everything about the success of the club drives the community, the pride of the community, the pubs, the restaurants, everything. Um, specifically though, the youth, our GFC school, women's sporting, um, and, and those kinds of things are sort of the initial things that we wanna focus on and grow on. Um, and just really become sort of a beacon in the community where there's just pride there and then we can give back. And could the Jills eventually move to a new stadium? You can hear all about that and more in a special edition of the Kent Online podcast featuring our sports reporter's exclusive interview with the new owner. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning with the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.